This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash local hustlers podcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash local hustlers podcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast. East Valley locals, get connected with small businesses near you and dive deep into their stories, mindset, and motives. Entrepreneurs everywhere. Get ready to be inspired by business owners, entrepreneurs, and hustlers that you can relate to and learn from. And now, your hosts, Dallin Huso and Ridge Waldberg. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Kylie Bowen of Crossbow Equine. How's it going, Kylie? Good. How are you? We're good. We're good. And we're uh, happy to have you here on the show um, and learn a bit more about you and the business. Yeah, very excited to share what I know and a little bit of my story. Awesome. Well, let's start out with the story. Give us a little background Uh, on you and your life. Long story. So... Um, I'm a crazy horse person. Um, y'all know the type. So basically I started riding when I was seven. Oh wow. And I'm like a first generation, like horsey, kind of ranchy agricultural person mm-hmm. in my family. Um and so it all started then and ever since I just knew I wanted a career doing something with horses. That's where the word equine in my current business name comes from. Um So I actually, I've never stepped foot in a college classroom. The day after I graduated high school, I started my first business as a full-time horse trainer and sales broker, um, basically giving lessons, doing clinics, things like that. And I'm super passionate about performance horses, if anybody in the area is too. And um, that first business was something that I actually had to like let go of a couple years ago because life got in the way and I faced burnout and some depression and where crossbow equine comes in is that I found out I was actually very passionate about um, helping other people build their businesses Mm -hmm. whether it is in the horse industry or otherwise Um, so that is where kind of I'm at right now we can get more in depth later but Cool, cool. Well, tell us about horses. I I had assumed that you kind of just grew up with family all around horses. You said you're first generation. So how did you kind of get into that at such a young age? Yeah, so I don't know. It's just probably something in me. I was just like really loved big animals. Mm -hmm. The little funny story is that elephants were my first favorite animal until (laughs) I realized like you can actually own horses and ride them. A little trickier to buy an elephant and ride (laughs) it around, right? So that is... um, I think like we pulled over on the side of a road one day and I was petting horses and they're like, yeah, you know, people ride them. And I was like, oh, like my two year old brain Um, went riding for the first time on a dude ranch, like in tow with my dad when I was like two years old and just fell in love with it ever since. And that turned into lessons at five, first horse at seven, Um, begging my dad for this horse I was riding at the time. So, um 
That's kind of how I got into it. I have an aunt that has always loved horses, but she didn't even get her first horse until she was like 50 years old. Oh, wow. So, yes, it was a lot of begging, pleading, dedication, scooping horse stalls, just <laughs> trying to prove that, you know, I was a responsible seven-year-old to take care of a horse. Right. <laughs> um, so we had a lot of good people around us to show us the ropes. And um, when I was about eight or nine or so, I would say... I got into doing like local gymkanas on my horse and things like that was, you know, actually got to be pretty good because I had something to like really practice on and I won a few championships in a couple of years, just locally, nothing huge, saddle and a few buckles. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. I wish I could totally pinpoint the first time I saw a horse and fell in love with them. But all I knew is that that is like the career path that I wanted. My dad wishes I would have gone to college, but I'm doing just fine. So, So, you know, when it came to wanting a career path associated with with horses, like what does that usually entail? Is it training? Is it riding? Like what's kind of the the designated career path or what were you wanting to do specifically? So specifically, I really wanted to just be a trainer Mm -hmm. Um, and more broad I always had this dream of you know having like an equine entrepreneurship where I you know I trained horses I would breed them sell them um give clinics like have this entire kind of like gamut of things to do in the equine world as far as that goes um I didn't get that far with my first business (laughs) but it's still still in the wings now that I've kind of recouped from a couple years ago Uh um but in the equine industry, you can be a vet, you can be a horseshoer, you can be a trainer, a clinician, a, uh, um, what's it called? Like a massage therapist for horses, like you name it, there's something there for horses because crazy horse people loves to spend their money <laughs> on their horses, so... Yeah, I've think, never heard of a massage therapist. I was for just going to say, you got to have some strong hands to <laughs> massage those horse muscles. You know, I have never had a massage myself, but my horses have had plenty. <laughs> so that is the kind of level of crazy that we are. <laughs> That's funny. Um, tell us a bit about that first business getting started right out of high school, you said, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, Kind of to backtrack a little bit, uh, in high school, I did, like, I graduated with high honors, like, I did, you know, the honors programs, Mm -hmm. AP classes, things like that, um, just in case I changed my mind. Yeah. Wasn't going to. Um, And, you know, always did my best, but I've just always had this vision of, you know, I don't want to work for anybody else but myself. And it wasn't until, like, I was, like, 22 that I actually filled out a W-2 for the first time. (laughs) Um, But so it was, this is the part you'll need to cut out because I trip over my words. Um, So I trying to gather my thoughts. This is is the blonde part showing (laughs) through. Um, So yeah, so the day right after high school is when I actually like filed my first LLC, made it official, Mm -hmm. um, and all throughout high school, I had spent time like apprenticing with another local trainer um, that specialized in a equine sport called cutting um, that I absolutely fell in love with, and that was after like my barrel racing career, Um, 
And so since I knew that I didn't want to work for anybody else but myself, I set out the next day, got my LLC, and an opportunity opened up for me from people that I met through the trainer that I worked with that I could work right out of their barn and just pay them a little bit of board each month, but I could have my client horses there. It was a really nice facility. And um, like literally like the day after my graduation party, I loaded up my horses from my house, took them up to like the Lehigh area and just got started working there and advertising and up up at 4.30 in the morning and would sleep in the afternoon because it's way too hot down here. <laughs> so that's basically kind of like my education level. Um, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it either. Um, I feel like there's a lot of opportunities to learn how to make money, make a living, do something for yourself that doesn't have to involve getting a degree. For sure. I'm not, you know, diminishing college or higher education, but that just wasn't something that I wanted to do is spend my time in a classroom more than I felt like I had to. So it's worked out. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about Kylie. You you had this kind of... uh, inner passion for horses yes. uh, since the time that you can remember as a little girl and and I have some sense of that I love horses they're just a majestic animal I, I see a horse and it puts a smile on my face it just uh, they're just an amazing animal and you also mentioned that you face burnout and and uh, and depression even with that how did that passion evolve into burnout and where did you lose the passion and 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 what lessons did you learn about passion through that process? Yeah, so we can get a little deep here. Um, since, you know, having kind of that equine entrepreneur journey was the only thing I could ever think about. Um, I did um, have a boyfriend I was dating. And um, so part of the burnout leading up to it was, Yes, I knew how to train horses and I had somewhat of a good concept of like good customer service and, you know, trying to add value. But it wasn't until after I was like in the depths of despair, if you want to call it that, that I didn't realize like that my mindset had faltered. And that was because I was not um, putting into myself what I was putting into other people or even the horses and like my own self-development, things like that. So when I hit burnout, it was that I had like 12 horses and I had, you know, people, I like to think that I practice resilience a lot because especially in this industry, people will tear you down. They'll say, you know, you did X, Y, Z to my horse. I'm not satisfied, blah, blah. And even though you put in your contracts and you try to make them happy and do whatever, now we have social media where it's always everybody's turn every hmm. single day to try to have their career ruined. Um, but so I'd bounce back. I would do all of these things. And then my relationship ended as well. And I also didn't like fully understand the concept of outsourcing so and all that could have meant for me was just hiring somebody to come clean horse stalls and feed yeah one or two times a day and I would have had more time to actually train horses and work on my business instead of in my business you know like 
I wasn't getting paid to clean my own stalls. Right. So that happened. And then at a different facility that I had upgraded to less than a year into business. Um, and I was there for almost five years. Um, the guy who's very nice in like a lot of ways for allowing me to have my business run out of there. But there were also some kind of undermining things that had happened. And he lied to me about putting his place on the market. So I felt like I was trapped kind of with like no place to go on top of being just burnt out and tired and exhausted and being depressed. Um, Not just from my breakup, but just because I, like I said, I was not pouring into my own self-development and developing the mindset that I needed to. So that was a huge, huge struggle for me about a couple years ago. Hmm. Sounds like a couple things all at once just kind of hit you and caused all this. A couple things to to touch on. So one of them you mentioned that you, I guess, maybe weren't fully educated on like some of the the abilities to outsource Mm -hmm. um do you feel like that was just like a lack of of knowledge or um or an ability to receive like entrepreneurial you know business owner knowledge around you to know like hey this is possible like once you get to a certain point in business it's good to to try to scale and grow and and outsource and hire people to take on the tasks that you can't have do you feel like that kind of was was an influence on it yeah um And I mean, like, my boyfriend that I was dating at the time, his dad is, you know, very successful entrepreneur, and he would say a few things every now and then. I guess it was a lot of my own mindset around money management. So it was, you know, well, I could pay the neighbor kid $400 a month, or I could hang on to that, and I don't know what I was planning on doing with it, but it was more of the, you know, I failed to learn those like principles that I could actually do more and start to scale had I just paid somebody to take care of like the dirty work for me. Uh And it's taken me until just a couple of years ago to like realize that and have a better mindset, not just, you know, in my own self-development, but around money and entrepreneurship and what it actually means to scale and grow a profitable business. Yeah. No, it's, it's very tempting to say, you know, I could hire someone to do this job, but I could save that money if I just do it myself. And like you said, it's like, what were you going to do with that money anyways? Did you really need, it's one thing if you absolutely needed that $400, but it's not, if it's just sitting there, like being able to hire someone to do those small tasks allows you to, to focus on the important aspects of growing the business and scaling it. Um, And although you lose that 400 initially, eventually I'm sure you probably can see as well that you would have made that as well as much more by being able to focus on the most important aspects of your business. Absolutely. You know, I could have spent more time working on like marketing at the end of the day or, you know, really with the time that it took me to clean all these horse pens as the example that we're using shoveling crap (laughs) is I could have had more time to take on like two more client horses, which would have, you know, Paying the neighbor kid over here $400 was only half a horse. And I would have had time to take on two or three more. And then, you know, with that three or four more extra income, then I can hire a loper. It's essentially like an assistant writer. And then we can grow from there. And at that time, I didn't quite understand that concept. I just saw it as money going out of my yeah, pocket. Yeah. And, oh, my God, I have to buy hay for horses. 
and yeah, I've got $7,000 in my bank account, but what if, and it was just that kind of scarcity mindset around the money that I did have versus, you know, that mindset of abundance where I can outsource and I can do things and, um, actually grow even more with it. And I think that a lot of those struggles and learning those things the hard way is what has made me very passionate about helping other people grow and scale their business and kind of get rid of those self-limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, so that hopefully they don't have to learn the hard way or they don't have to take as long in the hard way, (laughs) spending more time and money. Yeah. No, it's funny. We think we're saving $400 by shoveling the poop, but it's actually costing us money because we're not able to do those other tasks that's going to make us all that money that we we can't see now because we wanted to save, quote, that $400. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, I definitely want to kind of hear how, how you made that mindset shift because it sounds like you have a totally different mindset now than, than where you're at. First, I want to know, I guess, how did this affect your, your relationship and your passion for horses? Did it, did it have a, a lasting impact or do you feel like you still have that love there? I definitely do still have that love. Um, I currently own horses again. That was a long time in the making. Um, but there for a minute, it was never that I didn't love them. It was that... Because I had turned that into my job that had turned into being so stressful, like it, I didn't even want to like look at a horse, you know, <laughs> or people would ask me to like come ride with them, like ride one of their horses, and I'd be like, and I would make excuses. I'd say, oh, I'm sick or, you know, and to be fully transparent, um, I ended up having also a little bit of a drinking problem too. And... You know, I couldn't see it then. I just thought I was being young and in my 20s and also hustling and, you know, having my business and, you know, the whole gamut. I'm just like the cowgirl version of it. Um, (laughs) Heading out, you know, getting wings and shots of Jack Daniels. (laughs) Um, And but yeah, it was that I would either be hungover or I just really did not want to go. go ride I didn't want to put in the effort and then especially after I lost the facility that I was at too I was just so done with it and then I did not know what to do with my existence um and that brought me into having no money from feeling like I was like the richest person ever and um you know working like a part-time job which I had had while I was still running my business um I got that a little bit later on, but I was only working like two days a week. My rent was $600. I was making like $850 a month. At one point, I went like negative $400 in my bank account. And at one point, I just like completely lost it. And I, you know, a couple days after that, I just made the decision that I never want to feel this way again. And I never want to feel so like helpless and hopeless and you know like what the hell happened essentially so making that mindset shift was just uh I talked to a friend not too long after that and she brought up the word intentional and that kind of changed my life so that's been one of my favorite words these past couple of years did they I love that word, uh, intentional. Uh, talk to us about 
associations, word associations you have with intentional? Like what is your idea of intentional and, and what difference has it made? Yeah. So for me, you know, when I think of the word intentional, it's um, just setting out like, who do I want to be and what do I want to do? And instead of just letting like life grab me wherever it's throwing me and feeling like I'm spinning out of control, it's, you know, I'm going to write down an action plan or write down one more thing I can do in a day that's going to put me closer to my goals versus farther it's, you know, how do I want to be in a relationship? It's how do I want to be um, presenting myself to people in business? And how do I want to, um, you know, take care of myself? Because I really wasn't for a really long time. And it's a miracle I was able to keep my apartment, honestly. <laughs> um, very nice landlady. And um, so... When I think of intention, it's just, you know, you're being precise and that kind of like precision mindset too is something that I was actually taught back when I was 16 and working for this other horse trainer. And it's something so simple, but I'd be sitting there riding and he'd just say, you need to be precise. So when I kind of relate that back to how I train horses and kind of like my style, it's, you know, there's a system, there's a method. I'm not just out there running circles around and, you know, not having a process. It's being precise, it's being disciplined, and it's being, um, I guess, maybe strong-willed enough to actually like make yourself do it, but it's really less motivation and more discipline if that's something that you really, really want. Yeah. And, you know, at some point I was like, well, maybe I am just meant to have an office job and maybe I am just meant to, you know, not live this extraordinary life that I used to think. And that shifted. I couldn't tell you exactly when, but I was like, no, I'm a badass. We still got this. <laughs> so that's where we're at now. I love it. Well, I know you're such a big fan of, of intentions and mm -hmm. that word. Do you have any any further insights on you know, I, I love that precision uh, concept that you shared, Kylie. Uh, when I think of intention, I think, you know, getting really clear on what you're committed to. Uh, you mentioned, you know, what what's my life purpose, which mm -hmm. is similar to what I'm thinking in terms of what am I committed to and what do I want to create, right? And then with that clarity and precision, then it becomes a reality. And without that intention... You really don't know where you end up and, and things happen or don't happen uh, according to plan. And it's just really not, uh, you know, there's in the horse world, I'm sure there's, you know, horses that uh, they're alive. They can be ridden, but they don't respond. They Correct. You know, they haven't had that intentional training. Mm -hmm. And I when, see it every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you see a horse, though, that's been trained with that precision, with that intention, it's just a marvel. Even even a shift in the rider's body weight, the horse responds and reacts mm -hmm. with, with clarity. And, and it's just, it's amazing to mm -hmm. me. Absolutely. And, you know, with that intention and that precision mindset, it just, it propels you so much more forward into what you are meant to do and 
you know, whether we're meant to do anything or not, or we have free will, you know, who knows? <laughs> That's a whole other topic. But, um, you know, you sit the there. The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the answer is yes. yes to both of yes. those. <laughs> um, and so as you're going through the motions or like maybe you feel stuck or even overwhelmed while you're recovering from feeling overwhelmed, you're like, well, what do I do next? You know, this is how I want my life to like. And you how I want my life to look like you look at the big picture and then you start figuring out ways to get there. And sometimes it feels overwhelming to think about all the things that you need to do. And that was another part of my overwhelm too, is I kept having this big vision, but I would be like spinning my wheels and not getting any, any closer to where I really wanted to be. So one of the biggest things that I've learned in these past couple of years as I've, you know, come out of the rut and done my, self-development and things like that is that it is easier to fix something than it is to start you just have to put things in motion even if you know your first product of something sucks (laughs) you just got to keep you know moving the needle forward and getting creative and that creative energy will come to you Mm -hmm. the more that you do something and I think that that is also really important cool have you had any tips to success for kind of just breaking things down because like you said it could be so overwhelming when you look at where you want to be and you look at the big picture and you see how many steps you have to take to get there that can seem daunting and overwhelming to people how have you kind of been able to break that down um and just you know looking at one thing and what i have to do today to get to that point yeah so i am a huge proponent of just writing things down even if it looks like chicken scratch or it's just a giant brain dump or whatever and then from there that allows your brain to have kind of more clarity because it's all out. And mm-hmm. then you can start, excuse me, like pinpointing, you know, okay, this feels right. We're going to try this. And even trying something is better than not doing anything. Yeah. So, you know, as you're moving forward, like for instance, okay, I want to start a horse training business. What's my first step? Instead of, okay, you know, I need to file the business. I need to, you know, get clients. So, and then getting clients requires the marketing and then getting the marketing requires money. And it goes on and on and you, Mm -hmm. you know, run the hamster wheel in your brain. Um, It's just one thing at a time. And even if that one thing is just buying a project horse, seeing how your methods work, seeing how you can, you know, influence people, seeing how you can show up for other people too, then that also allows people to, you know, know more of your story and not just what you can do. Love it. Talking about intention. So you, something clicked obviously when you uh, heard about intentions, the power of just, you know, having uh, an end goal and, um, you know, then taking steps to reach there and not just letting life take you wherever you want, but, you know, having control over what your life is. Um, do you mind sharing us kind of some of what your intentions were and what the steps you started to take from where you were kind of at that down point in life and what you've kind of done to, to turn things around since then? Yeah. So, um, I was still living in that apartment, um, that I was in and, you know, after I met up with my friend that day and she mentioned the word intention and like I said, I've always been a person to just like write things down as I get ideas. Um, so just like one of the, you know, most simple first steps is I went to Walmart. 
I bought a couple of notebooks. I designated one to journaling, one to business ideas, and the other one to how do I actually want to like live my life, kind of like an ideal like daily routine, things like that. So that was kind of like my first step. And if that sounds overwhelming, just buy one notebook <laughs> and dedicate it to just yourself if you're not yet in the mode for, you know, starting your business or have those ideas. But once you just start, you know, okay, I'm going to wake up at this time every day. And the main reason why I'm doing this is to show myself that I'm going to do the things I tell I, I tell myself I'm going to do. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us like to say, yeah, I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to go for a run. Then I'm going to go to the barn. And then afterwards, I'm going to go home and make dinner for my boyfriend. And it's going to be great. And I'm going to work on my side hustle. And then you do half of one of those things. And that's why it doesn't have to be so grand at first. It can just be, I'm going to wake up and make my bed. And then what? And then, because I'm a big proponent too of, okay, if I do this, then what? And that goes for positive and negative things too. Yeah. So. And talk about kind of where that's led you, because obviously you've now been able to start a new business. Was that something that, you know, right away after figuring out what your intentions were, you came up with this? Or did it take some time to kind of, you know, figure out what your next, I guess, big plan was in life? Yeah. So I'd say it was like August of 2019. I had like, five or six different like business ideas. I was like, well, I could do, you know, just like business consulting or I could see about, you know, my brother has a house down here and he lives in Seattle. I'm like, I could manage your property. And I was like, property manager, like anything but anything with the horses. (laughs) I was like, I'm done. Um, And then, of course, I'm still a part of like all the Facebook groups. I have horse sales on them, trainers, blah, blah. And I found myself getting frustrated, like reading their ads. I'm like, if I could just, you know, help them, that would be so great. Maybe more satisfying for me, but like they could make so much more money if they just did this. And it wasn't until I had a conversation with another friend after that, she's like, well, there's really like no literature on like running a successful horse business. Mind you, I do have clients in multiple different niches, but this is like my very specific area. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, you know, you're right. So then started my ideas for, you know, just like regular project work of helping people with their sale ads and ad, ad management, including the photography, the ad copy, things like that. And then it turned into, well, I can manage equine business social media. So I have a great lot of awesome clients now um, that are making waves in their areas of that industry. And then it turned into, you know, I'm going to make digital products that I can sell to have a little bit of residual income. And then it just kind of started snowballing. It's still snowballing a little bit in my brain as I'm thinking of ways to continue to add value and serve people. But that's kind of where it started um, was just there's really like no information because everybody in that horse industry keeps things so close to their chest because they don't want to give away their secrets. For sure. And I'm not giving away training secrets. You can keep those close to your chest. But actually showing people how they can make it in this industry and make that money has become something that I'm very passionate about because I learned things the hard way. Mm -hmm. 
Do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then call Flamingo Pools today. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools will take care of you. Honest, reliable, and innovative. Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. So handling advertising and social media is a, a pretty you know important part of a, a business and definitely takes some some time or skill or training. Uh, it can be really easy to just throw a ton of money into ads and, and lose it all if you don't really know what you're doing. So how did you kind of, I guess, learn the, the marketing aspect of, of business? Yeah, so... Um... With my first business, training horses and doing clinics and things like that, um, it really pays to know your industry market. Mm -hmm. And you can do that through reading regular books, or you can do that just by watching the trends on your social media feed as to which horse, like, again, in my example, because I'm that crazy horse lady is which horses are selling for the most money, which horses get the most interactions on there, which horses and or and or trainers, you know, are seeing the best results. Who has full barns? Like what are they doing to make it so that they appear very successful online and hopefully, you know, offline. But it's I always like to say that presentation is actually the easiest part. And, you know, you could have a kick-ass business, kick-ass horses, do anything. But if you present yourself to look like a shoddy, you know, kind of junky, whatever, even if you're not, clients aren't going to book you. And if you're not showing them, you know, if you send your horse to me, you know, you can pick these packages and then we have the massage therapist out two times a month and that's included in your rate. And, you know, you can come out on Thursdays for lessons so that you know what we're doing. So you add value, um, but you want to convey that value in your marketing so that people know what they're getting into. Yeah. That's cool. So it sounds like an important aspect of, you know, of marketing is just knowing your customers and knowing what they want, because, you know, you might have a a great digital marketing agency that really specializes with, uh, you know, like dentists or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're great with ads. They know their way around it, like the back of their hand, but they don't really know the horse industry. They don't really know those customers. And so they might not be, you know, as effective in reaching that audience as someone like you, who is, is basically that audience and knows the audience so well. Correct. You know, I like to think I lived it. I'm still living it. And, you know, I have found ways to not just make good money, but produce really good results Mm -hmm. in that industry. So I think that's very important that if you're going to do the marketing yourself or hire somebody else to help you, have somebody that knows your niche very, very well. For sure. 
Yeah, and it, it kind of sounds like you've come full circle because social media is kind of another thing similar to, to picking up poop where people think, you know, yes. I, uh, I can save a couple hundred bucks by doing it myself. But if you have someone that really knows what they're doing and can mm. handle that for you, you're not just saving money. You're you're making so much more money now by having someone that, that really knows what to do there and, and can create so much more business for you. Absolutely. You know, one of my main clients... Uh, they hired me after the first interview, which was awesome. So I work with them on a monthly, like I'm on a month to month basis. And, uh, the husband, he told me after a couple months, he's like, you know, I fought my wife so hard. I was like, I can do the social media all myself, blah, blah. But she tried explaining to me that if we don't have to do this part, we have more time to work on what value we're actually going to be providing for our customers and that's a very important part no matter what niche that you're in in business Mm -hmm. talk to us about you know some of the other keys to uh to marketing your business to telling your story in an engaging way that's going to really attract the customers yeah um i really think that sharing your story is a big part of it and you know you guys even got to hear a bit of my story today with some of like the depression and the burnout and things like that. And, you know, everybody wants to connect with people that are relatable to them. And even if they're not, you know, 100% relatable to them, they want to know that, like, it's a person behind the screen. Mm -hmm. And social media is supposed to be social. Um, It sounds dumb saying it, but, you know, so many, like, people that just scroll, like, scroll, like, and like, oh, you know, that's cool. The ones that really catch your attention are the ones that say, hey, here is part of my story. And, you know, if you're feeling the same way, this is how, you know, I can either help you come out of it or I can help you through it or I can help you um, rise with it. Um you know, like some of the bigger influencers. I'm not talking about the Kardashians. I'm talking <laughs> about our lovely business giants like Tony Robbins, like Jenna Kutcher, like all of them. They all have that story that you hear time and time again, where Tony Robbins grew up poor and his mom put soap in his mouth. We all know that story. And, you know, one of my favorite gals, Jenna Kutcher, she was working corporate. She bought a $300 camera, turned into a photographer, scaled herself to a seven-figure business. Like, you know the stories and you can remember yeah, what yeah. they're saying. For sure. And so what you're trying to do then is is do something similar for your clients and yes. creating a story that people can remember and kind of associate with and just have more of a connection with them. And, exactly. And when you have that connection. And it's kind of what we do with, with the podcast as well as um, you know, when you're able to hear the story of this business owner, it kind of puts a, a face to it and like a real person to the business that you're supporting. And, um, you just feel kind of a closer connection when you kind of know the backstory of something. Oh, absolutely. That's awesome. What, what else do you do to help business? I know you, you've talked a bit about the marketing, but I know you'll, you'll help people in terms of like pivoting as well. I know mm-hmm. you've mentioned that on social media. Um, so what are some of the other aspects of, of what you do to help support businesses? Yeah, so I can do like individual projects, you know, you can do like individual marketing campaigns or Mm -hmm. I can like manage your socials month to month. Um, One of my really big clients right now, I do the email marketing for social media marketing and actually helping them get organized (laughs) Um, because it can be kind of chaotic with 
they tend to also feel overwhelmed. So I try to help them compartmentalize and say, where do you want to add value? Blah, blah, blah. Um, other clients that I have, he sells horses from down south toward like past Tucson. So I'll go out, I'll take photos, I will do the ad copy, and I will, you know, manage his ads and any inquiries. Um, like I said, I also have digital products for people to use to their knowledge mm-hmm. or use to their advantage on their own time. Um, if they don't want to fork out, you know, X amount, $100 every month, they can have something that's tangible that they can use to help further their knowledge of yeah. business. Um, it's basically it for now, but there are always bigger things coming. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Secrets for anything you're going to share is a secret for now. I mean, I did just launch a digital product for all of my horse people out uh-huh. there. Um, it's called the Equine Entrepreneur Starter Bundle. It's got a bunch of contract templates. It's got a guide to setting up your equine business, what to look for in equine business insurance, and also templates for like planning out your weeks or your days because a lot of planners just don't get us horse people. Mm. So <laughs> I decided to create a little template. Um, but that is the big news. Um, cool. Like I said, for all my horsey people. But as far as other upcoming projects, you'll all have to stay tuned. All right. All right. <laughs> have you faced any other struggles with this new business um, that, you know, based off what you went through with your first business, you've been able to react differently and, and have more of a positive experience with, with the trials that you've gone through as a business owner? Yes. Um, just definitely having more of that actual entrepreneurial mindset instead of such a um I guess it's less of an entrepreneurial mindset as it is a um abundance mindset around money and people and things it's you know not even just in the entrepreneur sense but you know how can I also invest in myself like my own health a dumb example is a couple weeks ago, I bought myself a damn yoga mat because I was like, I'm getting stiff. I need to like, you know, get active, do something. And I had the same kind of like flashback thought. I was like, well, it's a $20 yoga mat. Like I could use this $20 for something else. I'm like, what else am I going to use this $20 on? Like it's $20. So just like small things like that, or even, you know, setting up budgets for running my own marketing stuff for my business. It's, you know, well, you know, what if I spend this money and nobody buys my thing? Okay. So then we pivot, we re-strategize, we wait until we kind of have the funds up again in a couple weeks and we try it again. Yeah. And it's less of a, you know, oh my God, this sucks, you know, like, there's no proof of concept here, blah, blah, blah. It's just a, okay, we pivot, we try something new, and we do it again. And having that belief in yourself that what you're trying to do to serve others is worth it for them. Mm-hmm. And, and focusing on yourself is something that you talked about earlier is, is something that probably led to a bit of that burnout and not taking enough time to focus on you and what your personal needs were. Um, can you talk a bit more about that? And, and you've mentioned the yoga mat, any other examples of things that you've kind of done to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, taking care of your physical and mental health as well? Yeah. So, um, 
you know, it's not my extreme forte. You know, you won't catch me with a six pack anytime soon. <laughs> but, you know, small things like um, we have like smart lights all in our house. My boyfriend's all into the IT stuff. So, um, you know, taking time to just like be present. Like if I'm taking a shower, I've got like the pink light on and I sit there and I just like enjoy it. I sing along with Alexa and um that's just like a really small kind of dumb example another um better example is um you hear most people talk about it is establishing a morning routine and um currently at the other job i do have i have to be in industrial phoenix at 6 30 in the morning wow. and i live in santan valley so there's not a whole lot of time for you know, a huge extravagant morning routine when I'm already waking up at 4.30. But, you know, if I get up and I do something that I enjoy, which is either 10 minutes of the yoga or I make myself, you know, a cup of coffee and just pet the dog for a little bit before I go, it doesn't always have to be, you know, I'm getting up to make my green juice and I'm going for a run. It can just be little things throughout the day that actually make you happy and just kind of ground you to make you like enjoy the moment and your life and to just check in with yourself. For sure. No, yeah, that morning routine is so important. Just having something consistent that Mm kind of gets you started on your day, I think could be so helpful. And then, you know, like you said before that, just having something that you enjoy, something small, you know, for it might not be pink lights and and singing along the shower (laughs) for everyone, but just finding something that just like the little joys in life, something that makes you happy, brings you a bit of joy, even if you have to spend a bit of money on it. If, if you can afford that, like do what you need to do to make yourself happy and, and just enjoy life while you're, because running a business isn't always easy. So having yeah. some things that you can, you know, kind of think forward to and, and help you relax and de-stress is super important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, after I get off from that job there in Phoenix, I'll go down and I go and see my horse. That's, I guess, you know, like my physical activity. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, it counts for people that don't think it does. It absolutely counts when you're (laughs) still shoveling poop and feeding and riding a horse that's extremely large. Um, But yeah, that's and that's kind of like my break in the day and like my physical thing that I do to like get outside and move my body, things like that. And during that time that I was doing literally nothing, like the absolute bare minimum, I was not getting outside nearly enough. Yeah. I didn't have horses. I wasn't, you know, motivated or disciplined to go do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So you've got a full-time job. You're waking up at 4.30 and then you're you're working on your business as well. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That keeps you super busy. And obviously you have to be, you know, super motivated and dedicated to, to keep up on that on a consistent basis. And I'm sure a lot of that comes down to, you know, your intentions and what like your long-term goals and vision are. Um, do you mind sharing what some of those things are? What kind of drives you to to keep keep yourself motivated every day? Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought this up because even just a couple weeks ago, I started kind of feeling some overwhelm again. Mm-hmm. And but I can now recognize the signs and stop it before yeah. it gets out of control. Um, so things that kind of keep me motivated to hustle every day and. It's basically like a day in my life looks like waking up at 4.30, putting my clothes and my face on, making a cup of coffee, um, 
leaving at 5.30 to get to work by 6.30. I'm there until 2.30 usually. Drive all the way down to the barn to go ride. And then by the time I'm home, it's like dinner time. And then I've got a little bit of time to work on my business before it's time to go to bed. Um, as far as the motivation behind it, it's just thinking about the bigger picture every day. And, you know, how can I be, once again, fully self-employed? And we are very close to that transition. I'm mm -hmm. very excited about it. Um, and just having that freedom of my time is what's extremely important. And that's the whole reason why I never wanted to work for anybody else <laughs> was because I enjoy having that, you know, time to spend how I choose. Yeah. And um, so... With that freedom of that time just comes with the freedom to make decisions as well. Going back now, I'm curious if you could change anything, would you? Or are you, you know, happy with with the experience you gained from from your previous business that's kind of, you know, given you an, a new vision and a new uh, mindset? You know, if you had asked me that two years ago, I would have said all the things that I would have done over in my business and my relationship and myself. You're asking me today, though, and the answer is no, I would not change anything because everything that I went through during that period where I was so like just down and out, for lack of better words, um, has helped me to see more of that bigger picture as far as, you know, I'm not just wanting to have a business to have the glory and the titles and the whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I come to realize that that is more what I wanted. I wanted money and I wanted to ride pretty horses every day and, you know, great. Nowadays, you know, more of my mission is like, yes, having money and pretty horses is going to be really fun, but it's about serving people and being giving of yourself and what value that you can add to other people's lives. And that doesn't have to be business related. It could be your boyfriend. It could be your parents. It could be your kids. It could be your stinking dog. <laughs> so, but just, you know, finding something that brings you to a higher purpose other than yourself um, as cliche as it sounds, it is, you know, an absolute game changer when you shift more into that mindset. Love it. It's kind of a two-part question here as, as we're getting ready to close up. But, you know, when it comes to, to burnout, uh, number one, what would your advice be to, to a brand new entrepreneur, someone starting off? What are some things that you wish you would have known starting off that someone can implement right away um, to avoid facing that burnout? That is a great, great question. I wish I would have known just very simple business mechanics. That's, I guess, what a lot of people go to, you know, college for. But <laughs> um, even just like simple like business organization tips, you know. So, but one of the biggest things that actually my ex's dad taught me and I loved him to pieces he said set up every business you have even if it's super small like it's the biggest corporation in the world 
And what he means by that is have a system for everything. And even if your systems do pivot along the way, as you know, you find other things work better than maybe what you were doing, it's have your filing, have your invoices, have something to help you keep track of everything because the numbers, as I'm sure that you guys know in business, are one of the biggest parts of it. Yeah. You know, other than actually doing what you say you're going to do. Um, I didn't know what an invoice was <laughs> until I was like 20 years old. And then I tried playing catch up and playing catch up is not fun. Right. So that is kind of like one of my biggest tips is just get organized, know what an invoice is um, <laughs> and have, if you need to, a contract for everything. Even if you're doing business amongst family. Um, you can even use your family as like a guideline and, you know, have them look over your stuff or practice customer service with them. But the biggest one is to be organized yeah. from the very beginning. Yeah. I love the idea of, of structuring your business like it's bigger than it is. That way, if you do want to grow, then, you know, you're prepared for that. And if not, you're just super organized and everything's going to gonna run smoothly. So either way, that's a super good benefit for a business. Exactly. Uh, the second part I had to that question is, you know, for someone who already is facing that burnout, um, what's some advice that you have for them to kind of get out of that rut? Another fantastic question that I wish I had all the answers to <laughs> because when I was feeling that way, I never wanted anybody to ever feel that way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that there's any like one specific hack that right. you can to get out of it. Um, the best way is to try to avoid it. And sometimes, sometimes I almost wonder if like, you know, being successful in business means that you hit a wall in burnout because you have to teach yourself that lesson of mm -hmm. being organized and outsourcing and things like that. Um, but one of my five, you know, tips for, uh, at least avoiding burnout is to only take on the projects that you are passionate about. Don't say yes to every single person that comes your way. Like if you're contract based, like horse training, for instance, my specialty was in Western performance horses. That probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you guys, but to our horse fans, it does. And because I had such a scarcity mindset about money, somebody sent me a wild Mustang who's not my, you know, typical type. I was thinking, well, I need to pay my bills, so yeah, I'll take it on. And then I wasn't passionate about the horse, so I put in minimal effort, didn't really get along with the owner, things like that. So that's one of my biggest um, tips for avoiding burnout is just to only take on the projects that you're passionate about like that really really like light you up like yes i'm excited to get up every day to go work on this thing yeah um yeah yeah um you mentioned that was one of five tips i, I know we're getting close to the end here but i don't want to you know jip our audience of, of some advice so could you briefly just tell us about some of those other t tips that you have yeah so the first one, like I said, is to only take on projects that you're excited about. Uh, the second one is to outsource if you can. In the beginning, you do have to wear all the hats in your yeah. business. But the second that you can outsource just like tiny tasks, absolutely go for it. And then the third one is to um, set boundaries with your clients and customers. Um, 
I was to that person that, you know, was answering messages and emails at 11 o'clock at night when I should be enjoying time with my family um, instead of just checking them in the morning or in the afternoon or whatever. And also with setting boundaries with your clients means that they know exactly what to expect from you when, you know, you're most likely to respond, how they can get a hold of you, things like that. And you really just want to lay that all out right from the beginning. Otherwise, you're going to be scrambling and, like I said, answering emails at one o'clock in the morning and not sleeping and not taking care of yourself. And then it's the other giant <laughs> snowball effect that keeps happening. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we uh, definitely learned a lot and super appreciate you you know, being so open and, and sharing um, some of those experiences that you've gone from. Um, and so hopefully, you know, those listening can can definitely learn from them and from the tips and advice you've shared as well. So thank you for, for sharing yeah. that with us today. Before we close up, we have a quick game we're going to play with you. And <laughs> how it works is we have a list of 20 questions that we're going to ask you and you have a minute to see how many you can answer. So it'll be rapid fire. We'll see how you you know stack up against the rest of the, the guests we've had. This should be fun because I've been talking nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll pull up that list and you can go ahead and get us started in three, two, one. Your dream vacation. Bora Bora. First thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars? A ranch. Your favorite hobby? Riding my horses. Uh, if there was an Olympic competition for everyday activities, what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in? Watching Netflix. A song you've been jamming to lately. Ragweed by Co Wetzel. <laughs> um, if you live to be 100, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? The mind. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Mint. Favorite fictional character? Lester Burnham from American Beauty. Favorite smell? Wood shavings. What's your nickname? Kai. Pet peeve. Lip smacking. Favorite restaurant? The keg. Uh, if you could switch places with someone for a day, who would it be? Ooh. We'll let you answer it. Uh, probably my boyfriend. <laughs> I'm very curious about that one. <laughs> That's funny. Awesome. Well, we got a uh, 14. That's pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Awesome. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks again, Kylie. Um, as we're closing up here, why don't you let our audience know where they can connect with you, where they can find out more about you and your business. Yeah, if you guys want to connect with me, I am on Instagram. That is going to be at Crossbow Equine Co. Um, on Facebook, I am as well, just just Crossbow Equine on Facebook. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm usually more popping on the Instagram, but I'm always looking forward to meeting and connecting with more people. For sure. And then I know you have a, a little special offer for our listeners as well. Could you just quickly share that? I do. I have a um, little a little marketing guide I'm going to be giving uh, to you guys. And it'll probably even have a few more goodies in it for you to follow along. But just something to help get you started and some things to think about as you're either continuing on in your business journey or just getting started. Awesome. Love it. Okay. Well, thanks again, Kylie. Thank you, Kylie. Really enjoyed Thank having you. you on. All right. Well, we will catch you all next week. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing and helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.